All right, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of the Balanced Woods Withers podcast here today. Uh, we have the full crew on, myself, Jordan, Travis, Score, and Ola. And looking forward to talking today with you, uh, letting you all listen as we talk about the mostly outgoing transfers at the club so far. Um, we are recording this June 21st um, in the evening for Eastern time. And it has been a whirlwind day, to say the least. Um, it's just been... I. Woke up today around 6 a.m. Eastern, so that's uh, well, it's like 11 p.m. Uh, or 11 a.m. UK, and all it was was just this barrage of player leaving. Agreed. Here we go. Player leaving. Agreed. Here we go again and over. You know, Ornstein coming in with more. It, it was just again and again and again, and it was all very fast and furious, which is from a Chelsea perspective. This is what we've needed for a long time. So I'm excited to really talk about. You know, this I've I, I joked that this clear out's going to hit like crack and it's not failed uh, up to expectations so far. Um, I'm loving this myself. I think this is what we need. And I think this is how we reset our culture and really get rid of the remnants of player power and that indirect effect that that system and culture had on almost everybody, whether they were the old guard and then how that has just trickled down over time and perpetuated itself right the longer you're in a system the more you're likely to perpetuate it it's the same idea in psychology the longer you're in a role the more likely you are to perpetuate a role um and i think that's where we are right and we are cutting the head off the snake of that and that summer is exactly this summer is exactly what we're doing we're cutting the head this you know the head from the snake of player power and we're going to move forward with a new culture and i think this is our best bet for long-term stability and therefore success this has been one of the root problems, I think, for so, so long at this club. I've seen it again and again. And we all know how we papered over the cracks in the past because we had basically national team captain after national team captain after national team captain all over the field. And you can make up for the lack of an identity in any type of managerial tactic, tactical stability. So let's get right to it. All right. We're going to kind of just go one by one here. I'm just going to go like down the line as it, as it is on my screen here. So the first one up. We'll talk about our outgoings, and then we'll talk about our incomings, since there are much more to get into with the outgoings. First up, uh, Jordan, we today lost Kai Havertz. You know, this was a guy that was brought in for so much money, so much promise, so much hype, everything about him. He can be versatile, he can play wing, play cam, play center mid, play false nine. It just never worked for us. He had one, oh, I would say, above average year that first year, and I think it just progressively declined each season from there. What do you make about Kai Havertz leaving the club for $65 million, going, staying in London, but going over to the red side at Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, so, right, I think on this pod, I was probably the most pro-Havertz person. I think he will do well at Arsenal. I like Kai Havertz a lot. But this is the thing about a clear out, right? Clear out means you clear people out, even if the, and you support it, even if you like that player. I like Kai Havertz a lot. I think he's going to succeed at Arsenal. I think Kai Havertz had issues that made it very difficult to build a young team around him or even with him in a key point. Uh, he is incredibly one-footed and is a left-footer. That's a problem. Uh, we saw this. This is why like, he was missing gimmies. Because if he could only shoot it from his right foot, he just didn't have the strength. His ball striking with his left foot, much better than his right. Um, I also think he was just incredibly inconsistent and can't do that. So, again, I like Kajavitz. I think he's going to be great under Arteta. But I think it's a great sale. We, we at the end of the day, on the books, are hitting a net profit for that sale. And I think that's a good thing. Like, again, it's going to – I'm bummed we don't have him anymore. I also think if you're willing to go to Arsenal from Chelsea, like, yeah. So, that's kind of my view. So, a little bit sad, but I also think, like, 
this is what a clear out is, and we just have to embrace it. Yeah, and I think the other thing with him was he just was kind of unconvinced by the project. And and kind of what I heard was, you know, there, there was this sentiment that his contract is running down. Other teams were interested. The club wanted to keep him, but he really wasn't all that big in the idea of, uh, of a longer-term extension is kind of some of the stuff I've heard floated around. And I, I think that that is unfortunate because – Maybe he would have stayed if we didn't do that, but then we risk the same thing we've seen with, you know, Rudiger, you know, Christensen, all Conte, all these players leaving for free, or in the potential one that we may be discussing as well. Um, as this news just broke, you know, Mason Mount with one year left. Um, so I think I think I I, I don't know if he's going to succeed at Arsenal. I don't really have a whole lot of anticipation that it's going to be a ton better there. I think it's still going to be very amorphous and, and hard to define what he does and doesn't do. Uh, well outside of pressing while that's important you got to do a little more as a forward right Um, but yeah I I think you know I I wish him some luck not a lot of luck but some I mean I don't wish personal injury or anything like that but can't really root for an Arsenal player anymore but thanks for the 65 million Arsenal I think that we you overpaid on that one Um, next one up uh, comes to you Travis Mateo Kovacic leaving 30 million pound sum to Man City I think he's going to kill it there at City. What do you think about this move for uh, for Chelsea and Kovacic? Yeah, I mean, Kovacic's like best trait has always been his ability to link defense to attack. And for like most of his time at Chelsea, our defense or attack has been like so disjointed from one another. And like it feels like this was the season lots of people really kind of started to turn on him. But he also carried an injury in through the World Cup because he wanted to play in the World Cup. He carried an injury afterwards. And, like, in, in general, like, this season, I don't think you can make a sweeping judgment about anyone based on just this past season. You know, like, if he wasn't going to extend, that's one thing. But, like, I feel like we're really losing a special player to a team that's really going to get a lot out of it. Like, I can understand that maybe, like, Enzo coming in, you can't really pair Kovacic with Enzo very well. I get that. But, like, we're losing a lot more than I think a lot of people are really understanding right now when he goes to Manchester City. Like, I don't know if he'll be, like, a full-blown starter there, but he he's going to win tons of trophies, obviously. And he's prob- the perception of him is probably going to change a ton by this time next year. Yeah, I, I think that he's going to do very well at City, and especially with some of their outgoings that they're having there. I, I think Kovacic will be – I've always liked Mateo Kovacic myself. I've always been a big fan of him, even since his, you know, young, young days at Inter Milan. So, you know, I, I, I think he makes some good points there. And it, it's unfortunate, but he just didn't really fit the the mold anymore of what we were doing. Um, and quite frankly, I don't really think a player at his career stage – was going to stick around for what we're trying to rebuild right now. And that's okay. It's okay. You see this all the time with, with professional sports. Next one up comes for you score. Um, and this one is about Edward Mindy, um, you know, leaving the club, going to go join. Um, I think he was joining. What is it? Uh, man, I cannot remember which, which Saudi club he's joining. I know it's not all Etihad. I don't think it's all Halal. It's one of the other ones, but um, what do you think about his move going to the Saudi league? He's going to get a huge payday. Should be, you know, should be something that's well-deserved for him. Yes, it is. Uh, and, you know, I, I've always I've always loved Edward Mindy since he signed for us. Uh, his story as well, when you think about five years before he joined us, he was basically unemployed and standing in a, a job centre trying to find a job. Uh, and now, you know, he's a Champions League winner, a Super Cup winner, a World Club Cup winner with Chelsea. Um, first 18 months at Chelsea, he was incredible. Really was. Uh, really. And if he maintained that form, he wouldn't be leaving now. Uh, but kind of had a dip and hasn't really recovered. Um, which is really sad because I like him. He's got a good attitude and he was good for the team. I think he was he was consistent. Uh, kind of that, that position was no longer a problem. Once he, once he, almost from his first game, like he just came in straight away. He was, he was excellent. Um, really important part of us winning the Champions League as well. And yeah, I think like it's, 
that, I mean, yeah, he had offers from France, but he wanted to go to, to Saudi. Uh, and fair play to him. You know, again, it's like a, it's a, it's a career changing, it's a life changing amount of money. You, I mean, it's, you can't accuse, I mean, like, yes, professional footballers are, you know, it's their career, right? And they only have a short career. They only can only play till they're in their mid thirties. So they have to make the most out of it, right? Because once they're 35, they can't earn any money from football anymore, right? Unless they go into coaching. Uh, and, you know, he's won, he's won some massive trophies. He's had great success in Europe. And I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him for going there. And, you know, um, it's a three-year contract, I think. So there's still time for him to come back to Europe after that if he wants to. Uh, um, and, yeah, I wish him well. You know, he's been given good service to Chelsea. Uh, he's, you know, he's, I think, you know, he's, he's going go down in, in Chelsea history for his role in the Champions League and the Super Cup and the World Club Cup. You know, they're historic achievements for Chelsea. Uh, and he's part of those things. And he'll, so he won't, he'll be well remembered, I think, by Chelsea fans. And uh, he only cost us 20 million pounds as well. Absolute bargain. One of the bargains, one of those signings where we didn't pay much money, but that turned out to be a really, Good investment, you know, uh, because you know when you think like you know we spent seventy million on Kepa and you know and uh, Bob Mendy's a bargain at twenty million. Like it's uh, really good investment, and it was a smart signing. We didn't make many of those under Abramovich, but that was a really smart signing. And uh, so, yeah, good luck to him. I wish him well. Um, he won't be forgotten by Chelsea fans in a hurry. Um, you know, um, and uh, he'll always be welcome back here, I'm sure. Um, certainly by me, well, anyway. Yeah, I think you said a lot of right things there. You know, he was a bargain. He was one of those diamonds in the rough. You know, he had a really inspiring, like, personal story to make it to this stage. Now he gets this giant payday, and I'm pretty sure he is a practice, practicing Muslim as well, which a lot of the players we're shipping to Saudi right now are practicing Muslim. So, you got to understand this is a massive cultural and religious appeal to them in many ways. I'm sure. I, I think that's great for those guys. They get the huge payday. They get a play somewhere that has a lot of significance to them at a deep religious level. Um, I, I think a lot of things about that make sense. And what I would say about Mindy is he wasn't here for a long time, but man, he was here for a great time. And his highs were some of the best I've seen at as a Chelsea goalkeeper, not named Petr Cech or Thibaut Courtois in my life. I understand we haven't had a whole lot of them outside of those two in my life, but he just, just you know, the way he arrived with minimal expectation and just became the best, the best keeper in the world at one point. I think that's really a testament to a lot of what he did and how good he really was and how well he honed his craft. But then I think just, just after that things started to collapse and, and it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But he, I, I, you know, well said there, it was a great, great player for us. And I, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, in, in his next endeavor. Oh, wow, we have another interesting one here. You know, another guy who was not really here for a long time, not really here for a great time either. That's Kaladu Kulafali. Uh, man, what do, you, what do you make of this move? So he's going to head, I think, to Al-Halal. Um, another guy, you know, we're getting a, a, a decent chunk for him. 20 million, I think, is what I saw, 20 million euros. And he's going to get some massive wages and kind of probably see out his career. What do, what do you think about his move and any legacy, if at all, that he may have at Chelsea. So I don't think there's much there. Yeah, I think um, Kulibali's um, situation was strange in the sense that he never really got a chance to be a successful signing. I think it's it's on, on some level, it is fair to hold players to high standards, but we also have to do it within reason. And we cannot just... Um, we can't just expect a player to play at whatever level we want them to play at in whatever situation we put them. And I think Kulibali's situation at Chelsea was one that was um, unfair to him because he never paraded himself as a left-sided centre-back in the back three. He was what he was. He played one position and one role for almost the entirety of his Napoli career. And then Chelsea came in for him and got him and then he was meant to play as a left centre back, and I don't know what what uh, Tuchel's plan was for him. I don't know whether it was left centre back. Left centre back was a bad idea, 
And when he was moved to the center of the back three and he he was able to and he was able to do what he does, similar things to what he did in a back four, his performances improved greatly. I thought Kudibari had a good season, to be fair. I think the reason many were disappointed, not that they were unreasonable to be disappointed, was the wages he was put on. The contract he was put on didn't make sense for his age. That length of contract, that amount of money, considering the amount of money we refused to pay Rudiger, I have mentioned before that I don't think Rudiger was one of the best centre-backs in the world at the time he left on the free. But I didn't think he should have gotten whatever money he wanted. And then we took a substantial, substantially more than that and gave it to Kulibali. So it was, in hindsight, it was not a good move. But the, the Kulibali situation is, is one that, when you look back on it, he was, he was actually good. He wasn't as bad as many people thought. He, he had some uh, significant performances in the Champions League. He wasn't a successful signing in the sense that, again, I don't think he got the chance to, because for his only season, his only season in the Premier League, he had what four managers. He had he had five people in giving him instructions in the dugout. Tuku, uh, Potter, uh, his assistant Bruno Salto and Lampard. So that's four 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 managers giving him instructions. He was played in many different positions. It was not. We all agree that we can't really judge the players on much this season. And that was Kulibali's only season. So many people will look at his, 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 his time at Chelsea as an unsuccessful one because he was a high-profile signing, came in on a lot of money. But he's one of those players that if you can move them on, you do. You're not going to get many chances to move on a player who is on 295k a week that is 32 years old. So if you have a chance to move him on, you do. I think he would he'll be fine wherever he goes. I just think Many people regard his his one year at Chelsea unfairly because they had expectations that he said himself that he would take some time to adjust. That's a player that has a, a high level of self-awareness and doesn't delude himself. So if he knew that he was going to take some time to adjust, he didn't say, I'm, I'm uh, right off my first season. He said we need some time to adjust, and he, and he did. And I don't think he would have adjusted if he was... If he, always played at left centre-back. So, uh, if, if if we have the chance to move him on, we should, and that was what we did. So, ultimately, he didn't really leave any legacy behind because there was no legacy to leave behind. We're knocked out of both cup competitions in uh, the first time of asking. We slipped down the table, the league table, quite quickly. We did okay in the Champions League until Lampard came in and it all it all went to crap. So, it was there was nothing really to be done about about Kulibali, if it's an opportunity to, to ship him out because he was on a lot of money and keeping him on till he was 30, 34, 35 was going to be untenable. So we took we saw an opportunity and took it. Yeah, I want to chime in really quickly on Kulibali, but Ola and I did a podcast because I think everybody was out the day we signed Kulibali. And I remember Ola and I both said, if you're bringing in Koulibaly to be Silva's backup or even to take over from Silva as the start in that center-center-back spot, it's a great signing. And I think what we saw this year is when he played that spot, it was a great signing because in that center-center-back spot in back three, like being a center-back in the back four, you generally speaking don't need to press Supriya up, uh, up the pitch and you'll have time to recover. What came out after that and then what came out definitely by preseason is that the plan was he was going to replace Rudiger. And he was not a Rudiger replacement. They're very different, right? If if the plan was Tuchel was going to be here, I don't understand why Roman didn't push harder for Rudiger. I think that was the plan. Uh, but there, there's, there was no replacement. Rudiger, I think, in a back four is a good, not great center back. In a back three is a wide center back. He's one of us, not the best in the world. Koulibaly wasn't that. I think Koulibaly came in with unfair expectations. To Ola's point, I think especially like the last three months of Potter, right? So from like December until February or whatever it was, Koulibaly looked really good in that center center back spot. I would actually yeah, posit yeah. 
that to this day, Koulibaly had a better season than Thiago Silva. Not because Thiago Silva does new amazing things, but Koulibaly recovers much better. And I actually think overall, like you don't notice him as much, but he had a good good enough year. I just think in under Poch, he wants to press high. And like anybody remembers Tottenham or even PSG, Poch's center backs press super, super high up the pitch. Like, I don't think Silva's going to be successful. I also don't think Koulibaly could have done it. I, I just, it's too, the pressing is too high. So that's kind of where I'm at on Koulibaly. I just wanted to chime in because I, I actually don't hate the guy. I know some people hate the guy and like he was a terrible signing. I think we paid him too much. I think we paid too much for him. But other than that, like he was fine. Like I didn't have an issue with him. Yeah. I, I And I just kind of said in the chat here, you know, Koulibaly was the right guy. It was just the wrong time. We waited too long on this on him. You know, he would have been great if we would have done this move sooner. But unfortunately, we didn't, and this is where we are. Um, I think what we're going to do here is kind of like a fantasy football draft. We're going to do like a snake here um, and just and just start back with Ola. Um, Ola, what do you think about Ziyech moving to Al Nasir? Um, I think it was a ten million uh, euro fee. Um, just quickly, I mean, I think that. Given what happened and everything over the winter move, given where he's now going, getting that final massive payday, I think this is a great move for him. He's going to play alongside Ronaldo. What are, what are your thoughts on this and for, uh, for you know, ZX perspective and Chelsea's perspective? Yeah, uh, ZX was, uh, again, classified as an unsuccessful signing for a number of reasons. I've, my thoughts on ZX uh, are known through my articles my views on this podcast, there's no point going going over it again. But generally, again, another another situation where we had a chance to move him on and 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 we took it. It it wasn't he he was nearly loaned to Paris in in, in January. It fell through. Many people said he looked down after that. Many people said he down to. Many people said he looked like he didn't care. I think there's. Many of those things were people seeing things that were not really there, but again, it was irrelevant because he had been strong along, really. Many managers uh, knew they were not going to use him and didn't let him go. Chelsea bungled it in, in January. He's been here for three seasons, and after the third season, no one can say Ziyech, uh, no, no one can look at Ziyech's time and say he should be a definite starter next season. I mean, he... He got seven starts the season that just ended, or six starts. So I mean, six six hundred and six hundred and sixty Premier League minutes out of three thousand four hundred is a player that is not wanted by the club or by the coach. So at the end of the day, I like the player, but there's not much liking the player can do if the player is not playing. So it's it's another one of those situations where we expected a lot of things. Perhaps we didn't use him in the role to give him the best chance of doing that. He wasn't flawless whenever he played, so we can't really say he was doing everything right and managers just weren't picking him. It was a little bit of both. And signings, uh, uh, there are also, I, I expect him to, to go to a top five league, to be honest. But again, he has to look out for himself. He's 30 now. I think he's, you know, he hasn't retired from international DC, but he's 30 now. And like you, like you mentioned, the, the, the cultural um, situation, in, in Saudi, he's the Muslim going to play in Saudi, moving his family there. It's not something one can fault players for. So I I I still like him. I'll still try to watch his games whenever I can. But at the at the end of it, whatever reason wants to give for him not working out, he didn't work out. And when you make signings and they don't work out, at some point you 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 admit that yeah, we we we're not we're not getting what we thought we would get, or we did, he's not what we thought he would be or the performances are not what we thought it would be and you 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 have to take the opportunity to move them on when you can yeah i think i like i kind of reverberate what you a lot of what you said i really do like ziek as a player and i but i i, I think that it just didn't work here and that's okay it, it, there are many good players that have had four stints at other clubs and then move and and, and yeah. look great again you know that that's 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 nothing against him and i personally i I think he's going to cook in this Saudi Premier League. I think he's going to be a very, very, very good player. One of the best ones in that in that whole league. And he's going to be whipping in, I don't know how many crosses to Ronaldo. I actually really want to see that. 
Um, you know, I don't know how what the the viewership of the Saudi Premier League is going to be like, but I'm hoping that we can get – I'd like to watch just because I think it's fun and exciting to see a new league trying to grow and develop. And, you know, moral things aside, you know, they're all they're, – there are moral dilemmas if you want to slice and dice it as much as you can with almost any highly developed nation. Um, it, it's just more of a spectrum, and that's where I understand the grievances with that league. But um, I'm not I'm not going to fault them for trying to grow their own league. I think that's brilliant. You know, I think it's good that we have maybe more of a, a an international um, – appeal to the game um in other leagues so yeah well said Ola. I, I think I, it's a shame he didn't work here i wish it would have but you know it's okay it'll move on all right uh coming to you score next this one's a really i think this one was really sad the way it all went down um and golo conte leaving after seven years um he's gonna go to all Ittihad, another another player it's gonna you know kind of have you know um a lot of that uh you know cultural uh, appeal to to the Saudi league as well as the payday that the man is getting is just ridiculous um I can't remember I think what is it, like I think I heard something like a hundred million a season or something like that was his payday so uh man that, that that's that's really really great I just think personally at a uh, as a person you know or human for Angola this is a wonderful move for him and I think he's going to be so good uh to play out the rest of his career what what do you think about this move for Angola well I'm happy for him because I love him. <laughs> he's, alongside Gianfranco Zola, he is the nicest human being to have put on a blue shirt. 100%. Um, I think uh, the fact that literally, no, the reaction to him leaving um, says it all, really. There's not one person who is expressing any negative emotion towards him at all, right? And part of that is because he was an absolutely world-class player, probably one of our best midfielders ever. I think he's just, he's only, just he's behind Lampard, but that's it. Him and Lampard, best midfielders in Chelsea history, for me. Um, and Rude Hiddler would be up there as well, I would say. Um, but... He's in. He's a Chelsea legend. He's won literally everything apart from the League Cup. I re, that's why I wanted to win the League Cup last season. Was well, not last season now, but you know, Tuchel's last season. I wanted us to win the League Cup because Kante hadn't won it. It was the only thing he hadn't won at Chelsea. He won everything else, and uh, you know, great character, great mentality, incredible footballer, just an incredible footballer. He had. Yeah, I just I can't, too many superlatives. You know, like his his work rate, his energy, his his um, positioning, his you know everything. He was just world class. Like the, the the run to the Champions League final, he was our best player. Like he was incredible. Uh, and it's still a little bit that France had a really bad World um, Euros that year because. If they'd had a remotely decent Euros, he probably would have won the Ballon d'Or and he would have deserved it. He was incredible in that Champions League run. And uh, yeah, just, and everybody loved him. Everybody, everyone wants him to do well. Everyone wants him to be happy. When you see that smile, you can't help but smile back, you know. And a really modest, humble man, didn't have any like flashy cars, didn't spend loads of money, you know. Um, I think he had the same mini cooper for like for years until like really recently and it wasn't this is, that's, this is not an expensive car by the way like somebody on a on a much lower ring i could afford that car um and uh you know very popular in the dressing room popular with everyone at the club i don't think there's anybody fell out with him um he's just a lovely guy and i think every Chelsea fan wishes him well i don't think anyone begrudges him this Especially because he's been, he's had injury problems for the last couple of years, you know he wouldn't have been playing every game in the Premier League for us because of because of that, and maybe he just wants to go and enjoy his football again, you know, and uh, and and obviously the money on offer is just ridiculous. One hundred million euros a season is just I can't even comprehend that amount of money. Uh, and again, like you say, he's a Muslim, and that's it's so it's an important thing for him in that respect too and you know we will all miss him um and 
he will he will go down in history of the Chelsea legend. I hope he gets the recognition for that in the in the medium to long term as well. You know, maybe in the new stadium you'll get a stand or a, a statue or something like that. He should have something because he's one of our greatest ever players. Uh, and but I think actually it's probably the right time. I mean, he's won pretty much everything at Chelsea. There's not much more you can achieve here. We're not going to be up, up competing for the big titles for, for a few years. And, yeah, I think we need to rebuild the midfield. So it's a, it's good timing for everyone, you know. And um, so obviously you're sad because you really like him and um, he's definitely everyone's favourite player. But also happy for him and wish him well. Yeah, I, I think that's a you know beautiful send-off for, for Conte. And, yeah, I mean... I'm sitting here when you said that maybe he's the you know really the only midfielder he's behind in our history is Lampard. At first, I was like, wait, thought about it for a minute, and I was like, yeah, he really probably is. I mean, he probably is one of our second best midfielder ever for the at least in the the, the Abramovich you know or in post Abramovich era, without a doubt is. Um, yeah, it's it, it is really sad to see him go, but I I think that what you said there at the end is kind of the truth of the matter. There's not really anything left to prove. And we're in a different phase that doesn't really suit him and maybe his ambitions at this time. And, you know, I, I can I can do nothing but wish the best for the guy uh, a, a hundred times over. Um, moving to you, Travis. Uh, this next one is Callum Hudson-Odoi. He has been strongly linked. He's not yet to complete. Strongly linked with a move away to the Saudi Premier League. And you can kind of see the theme here. Um, it's a whole other discussion, though, you know. It's a... Uh, conspiracy theories and all that that are floating around that are kind of gotten squashed today with some investigative journalism from the athletic but this could be the end of show what do you think about him potentially going to saudi i mean he had a really bad loan in the bundesliga last season yeah so on the conspiracy theories i was very against them thinking how silly they were and then i heard the hudson odoi rumor and i was like oh well maybe they're on to something because like that makes it's like such an out there thing for a 22-year-old to go to Saudi Arabia. Like, but yeah, like he was terrible at Bayer Leverkusen. Just and that was we always said, like, if he just goes on loan and he does well, then he'll come back with the footing that he needs. Well, we finally gave him that chance and he was awful. Like they just quit using him at one point because he was just so bad anytime they played him. And like part of part of you wants to believe like that potential is still there, but so much of his game was based on his explosiveness. And once he did that Achilles injury, it was gone. Like, you know, I hurt my Achilles a couple week months ago and like all the strength just went out of it. Like it is amazing just how weak it got from that injury. And like, if that's your whole game, like you can't just redevelop yourself that quickly. And obviously, he hasn't redeveloped himself that quickly at all. So, you know, like, what do you do with him? Like, if we could sell him to Saudi Arabia for big money, that'd be awesome. But, you know, we're not going to get, like, Bayern Munich coming in with $70 million. That's not going to happen. So, I don't see him having a future at the club. Like, we have too many wingers ahead of him that aren't going anywhere. So... You know, the best thing is to shift them on. And, like, if Saudi Arabia is willing to do it, hell yeah, do it. It, it. I don't know. It just seems like nothing is working out for him, and I just don't see a situation that works. That, like, I can see, like, a level of club that would be able to go for him and he would do well at. And, like, maybe that is in Saudi Arabia. I don't know the quality of that league very well. Obviously, they're strengthening a ton. But is he willing to like go ahead and make that jump away from Europe at his age? I don't know yet. It's I think you're spot on with that injury that the, the stage of his career, when he got the injury, the type of injury he got for the type of player he was it. Yeah. I, th- I think we all knew when it happened, how terribly awful it really was. Um, I mean, that that's like the worst injury you can sustain uh, more or less. Um, yeah. It, just it, it was unfortunate. I think a lot of us saw Hudson Odoi as this huge promise, and um, 
yeah, it just it just didn't work out. I think that's when we, I think that's where as fans, and I was guilty of it myself, you know, thought everything was a linear path, and it's just not. Um, go ahead, uh, Owa, on, on Cho. You got something to throw in here. Yeah, just quickly. Uh, I think Cho is a perfect example of why loans are extremely important. Uh, many people mention loans as this thing that uh, is a slight on the player and I see the way Chelsea fans talk about loans, and I think I've mentioned this before, but Chu has needed a loan for a long time, a long time. And when he finally got that loan, I I did not watch him in, at, at Leverkusen, so I can't really say he wasn't applying himself or he wasn't doing well or he wasn't working hard. But at the level he was, he came to that team not as the... Most of the time, when, when players go on loan, they come in as someone who is there to learn, who is there to get playing time, improve on some things. He more or less came as a high-profile player because, I mean, he's, he's getting paid 120K by Chelsea. I don't think anybody at the Vakusin is getting paid that much money. And he went there. He didn't play well enough to, to, to bench anyone. He didn't play well enough to stick a, a, a regular spot. And I imagine that many of these things were expected of him at this point, because he had been at Chelsea for three to four years, or at least three to four seasons, and he had played substan- substantial minutes, may be a strong word, but he had played some under several different managers. I think if he had gone on, on loan much earlier than he eventually did, he likely would have come back to Chelsea and, 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 and done better in terms of staking a claim. Zuma went on loan. Twice. Chaloba went on loan. Mount went on loan. Rhys James went on loan. There is nothing wrong with loans. And at the level that Joe was, when he was under Maurice Sari, that many people said he should play more prominent roles. And I said he shouldn't play more, more prominent roles. One of the few things Sari did right was how he handled Otsunodor. And many people didn't like it because they felt he played William over him. Sometimes fans are just letting their personal perception of players get in the way of of how they evaluate players. Cho did fine in the Europa League. He did fine in cup games. And everybody said he should he should play more prominent roles in the league. He shouldn't have. He was not up to the level yet. And it showed when he did. It was unfortunate because I personally feel Otsunodo is a very talented player. But at the end of the day, you have to show it somewhere. We can't we can't we can't all go talk about Bundesliga tax and then a player goes from the Premier League to the Bundesliga and, and, and falls flat on his face. Where, where do we go from there? I, I don't think the Bundesliga tax is anything. I think the Bundesliga tax is a silly thing. But at the end of the day, if everybody agrees that the Bundesliga is a much easier league than the Premier League, or everybody thinks that way, and you go to the, the to the Bundesliga and you don't do well, then what else what else is supposed to be said in your favor? We've always, we've always asked the question, why do many managers not play Otsunodoy as much as, as, as we think they should? Because whenever he plays, he seems to play well, and then they're just not selecting him. He went to another club in another country under a different manager, and the same thing happened. So there is something, or there seems to be something. I just think he, he was hyped, he was hyped at, 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 a certain, at a certain point. Uh, Alex Goldberg was good. Alex, uh, there were many people who hyped him up. I, I thought more than he should have been hyped up. And he saw these things, and I think it maybe got to his head. This may be unfair thing to say about him, considering I don't know him as a human being. But I think there, there's a lot to to suggest that he let the hype get to his head, and he refused to go on loan when he should have. And now Chelsea is doing the clear out. We're trying to get money for players, and he's just caught in all of that. And if we get pay, offered money for him, we will let him go because we can't we can't keep doing the the Arsenal project. At, at, how long are we going to do that? So at the end of the day, I just feel loans are important, and loan, loans don't mean you are a bad player. It doesn't mean you are behind other players. It just means you may not be you, you may you know you may not be in favor at the club currently. Go outside and, and apply your trade. If you do well, someone will notice. You can you have to trust your mind just to notice when you do well on loan. But people think that players going out on loan means 
they are going to be away from the club and away from the manager's side. I don't think that's true at all. I just think many people don't allow players to develop and also that was, was a perfect example of that. Loans are extremely important and when you don't take the loans when you should, because there's a time for everything, when you don't take the loans when you should, you now take it at the, at the point where it's it's now dismissive. So it's it's a, it's really unfortunate for Arsenal. It is, um, it is, and I, I think, yeah, um, we have one more to go over, Jordan. I'll, I'm gonna throw this one over to, um, over to you. Um, we pretty much just got news. Fabrizio Romano just broke this as we started the podcast on his YouTube channel that Mason Mount's camp has publicly made it known that he will not be signing a new contract with Chelsea Football Club. And that because of that, Chelsea have now had to lower their asking price uh, on the market. Um, so he's gone. It's over. It's going to be done with. Uh, yeah. I think we all probably have some thoughts on this, Jordan, but I'll let you start. This is a this is a huge one. I mean, we're looking probably a 50 million-ish pound sale now because we lost all posturing and negotiations that we any shred of posturing we had is now gone. Um, so we're probably looking at like a 55-ish million pound deal with add-ons probably somewhat around what they just offered this morning. So what do you think? Uh, it's going to United for any listener that's unaware. Yeah. So I think everybody on this pod, such as listening in this pod, has heard things, some the same, some different about Mason Mount. It's just the reality, right? Rumors go around. You, Everybody has friends that are with, like close to the organization. So people hear things and people report them. At the end of the day, what's clear that it's happened is Chelsea, at some point over the last year, wanted to extend Mount to a similar contract to Reese James was on, but with different, like, uh, I'm forgetting the word, but different ways to increase the base salary, right? So for Reese James, it was matches played because he has a history of injuries. For Mount, it was a little bit different. This is widely known. I think Mason Mount is still a very good midfielder. I think Mason Mount will improve. He's young. I was there at Leicester when Mason Mount scored his first Premier or uh, at Chelsea against Leicester when Mason Mount scored his first Premier League goal. I, I really like Mason Mount. I really do. And I think losing him is going to hurt. Like it just will. Even if you are one of the people that says, and I've been in this camp for a bit now, that Mason Mount probably is not an everyday starter anymore. That doesn't mean losing him won't hurt you, right? Like, he is a talented player, no matter what. So let's get that out on the table, right? Everybody's heard reasons why he's leaving. Some of them differ. Some of them are the same. And I think it's pretty widely accepted that he is a good player. On his day, he's a great player. Now, here's the thing. For whatever reason... Mason Mount left negotiations in mid-January and has seemed reluctant to negotiate this summer. I don't think Chelsea have another Mason Mount copy on the roster, but I also don't think he provides a skill set that is unreplaceable. Whereas like within N'Golo Conte, I do. I don't think there's a player on Chelsea's roster. I think the only guy that comes anywhere close is Caicedo. And even then, there's a gap. Like it's not like... Mason Mount isn't that type of player, right? He's not the type of player with just this super unique skill set. I think 50 million is way undervalued. Like, I think that is just a loss, and I don't think there's any other way to go about it. But if he doesn't want to be here, losing him for free next summer when you can get what I think at the end of the day will be 60 million for Manchester United, you have to bite your tongue and do it. And it sucks. I really, again, I really like Mason Mount. But I think he is not necessary. I think Poch wants him. I don't think Poch needs him. And if he doesn't want to be here, the worst thing you could do is make him stay. So I don't necessarily know that it's over. I think if Manchester United don't budge on price, we could be in for a long summer with him, and maybe he does stay. But right now it's looking like he's leaving, and it sucks. But at the end of the day, it's like, again, as I said, the first thing I said in this podcast, Rebuilds suck. Sending everybody out during transfer window sucks, but it's what has to happen. And I didn't think Mount would be one of those guys, but if he is, he is. It's a clear out. 
So that's what I got. So there's a lot of things about the mount stuff that doesn't make sense to me. But if we're asking for like 65 million, that to me is not like his actual value. That's that's a fuck off price. That that's the kind of price you put on a player that you hope will end up staying or not necessarily hope they'll end up staying, but you know, like if someone takes that bid, you accept it. But if they don't, you're fine keeping hold of them because I do believe like if Pochettino gets a hold of out, he's going to play a ton. And then the situation changes very rapidly. Uh, right now, United's the only team in for him. And like, maybe like we do kind of like budge, like if United's like, all right, if you, if you don't take this bid, we're out. Like, maybe that's what will push us over the edge. But, like, if we're not willing to drop that low, I could very much see, like, it coming to, like, preseason and Mount is playing tons for Potch throughout the season, and by Christmas he's extended and everything's fine again. You know, like, I, I don't hold it against a player for looking at other options. Like, I understand, like, oh, he's, he's supposed to be proper Chelsea was – a little boy when he was here, like we raced him. Like, yeah, but like this kind of goes back to all our players going to Saudi Arabia. Like, you're allowed to do what's best for your career because it's a career. Like, you know, you shouldn't hold so much loyalty to who you work for that you're not going to explore other options. You're not going to explore better options if they show up. And that's what Mount is doing right now. Right now, after the last year, he does not see us as the best option. And that's understandable because last year was shit i don't know if united is any better like i don't see how he fits in at united which is why i don't ultimately see them spending as much as we want on him to be back up to like fernandez or to play up like erickson's deputy like i don't see where he fits there liverpool's not coming for him anymore so like where else is he gonna end up that's gonna offer him what he supposedly wants and, like, really the only thing that's going to change my mind on Mount at this point is if preseason starts and he's AWOL. And he's not the player I'm worried about doing that. Lukaku's the player I'm worried about doing that. But, like, that's basically the only way I'm going to completely turn on Mount at this point. Because I really do feel like this situation is not as set in stone as it's been made out so far. And, you know, like, if United's willing to go to that limit and pay us what we want, yeah, we'll do it. But I don't think we're going to drop our price very much for their sake. And, you know, if we end up keeping him, I think Potch is really going to find a good use for him, and then things change rapidly. So all, all everyone, like, wants to have a strong opinion one way or the other on it. And, like, for me, there's just so much still up in the air about it until it actually happens. So that, that's basically where I'm at is just like a wait and see. Yeah, I uh, it's really sad. Um, I, I watched Mason Mount since he was playing for the academy. I watched him captain the academy teams, be really good. Uh, really have high hopes for him. We're really positive about him being at Chelsea for a long time and being captain and you know, um, he started off his Chelsea career so well. And I was at the game where he scored his first goal for us against Leicester. Um, and that was great. And, you know, he was he was so great. Those first two seasons, especially um, two or three seasons, he was he was he was he was great for us. He was a really important player. He was really important for our Champions League run. He was excellent under Tuchel generally. Uh, and you know, he thought that you know he would be here for a long time, and it's just got a bit messy this year. Uh, and nobody comes out of this looking good to me. Um, the club don't, but Mason doesn't either. Um, and I think one of the things that broke it for me was the briefings you know, the constant briefings we used to get from both sides all season. Um, this didn't happen with any other player that we were trying to tie down on a contract, by the way. All the other contracts got got done without much fuss, without much speculation. Some didn't even know we were talking to them about a new contract and it got done. This one seems to have just dragged out the whole year and there's been constant talk on either side about it. And 
no one comes out looking good. Um, it leaves a bad taste for me. Um, uh, yeah, and if he's telling Chelsea that he wants to leave, um, as it's being reported by multiple people now, David Ornstein's saying it, Fabrizio's saying it, you know, they're the two most reliable people. You know, he wants to leave, he wants to go to Manchester United. Um, from what Ornstein has said, we're going to comply with his wishes. So we're being more lenient on the fee. Although I still think we want 60 million at least for him. Uh, and, um, you know, if we could see Prime Mason Mount as he was, and he was fully committed to the project, fully on board, fully like immersed in it, like here for the long term, all in completely, then I would definitely want him to keep it, right? But it doesn't, I don't get the feeling that he is. Right? And I, to be honest, I haven't felt that for a, a long time. Um, so, if he wants to leave Chelsea Football Club, we need to let him go because I, I don't want, we're not a, a place where we want to keep people who are not fully committed, who are not, who kind of half in and half out, you know, who maybe have had disagreements with people at the club as well. That's not a, that's not a good way to start a new managerial era. It's not a good way to, to move on. And, um, like I said, in the right circumstances, I would love to keep him. But I don't think we have those circumstances, unfortunately. And it's really, really sad. Uh, and, you know, I don't think anyone's pushed. I don't think we've been pushing him out the door. I don't believe that theory either. I think the club would like to keep him, but on their terms, which is perfectly fine. Um, I, still, I still think that they may have run a lot of data on him in his last 18 months and the, his condition. And maybe decided that they have a certain uh, level they want to pay him and a certain role for him that maybe he doesn't want. So that just that, and that happens, uh, unfortunately. And it's been handled badly, but it, it is what it is. And, it, and again, it's sad um, because ideally I would love him to stay. But I think it's just a, a, a position where it's just a bit untenable and it's starting to overshadow everything all the time. And unless he signs a new contract, it's going to keep doing that. And I, I don't want that to happen. I don't think that's good for Chelsea. I don't think it's good for Mason Mount either. I don't think it's good for Mason Mount. I think it might, the best thing for all concerned might be that just let's just, just part ways and move on. Chelsea will exist after Mason Mount. Chelsea can have a successful team without Mason Mount in it. Um, we have a good recruitment. Uh, team now we have we're building a good squad we have a good manager uh, who's good at developing young talent we have plenty of young talent in midfield as well for the long term uh, and you know I think yeah we have to we have to move on and and you know I wish him well wherever he goes and hope he has a good career and good luck to him um, but I yeah, like I say, I, I'm not forcing him out the door, pushing him out the door, but I just, you know, ideally I'd love him to stay, but I just think that, like, realistically, the circumstances are not are not there and the timing is not there for that to happen. And that's what I think. Hey, well, I'll go ahead and get some of your thoughts then on this too. Yeah, uh, I'll be quick with this one. I, I don't think Mounts, I personally don't think 60 million for Mount is too low, honestly. I don't think 60 million is too low. I think, like Jordan mentioned, Mount does not offer a skill set that is rare. While us not having another player like Mount. I think Mount is unique in his own way, but not in the way men would think. I, I think his performances for us were viewed with fondness. The way he's perceived by the fan base is in a certain way, and that is fair. I don't expect anybody to feel the same way about Mount. I will not sit here and say, I've seen people say he's not good enough for Chelsea. That doesn't make any sense. I've seen people say, oh, he's, 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 he's a championship-level player. Talk about open play assists. All that is nonsense. Good players are good players. He contributes very well to a team. 
I think the role they played in the Champions League win was overstated that season because we can say many things about the assists that, that he had in the in the Champions League final, but the Champions League is a 13-game competition. I think many of the things that he's giving credit for are not things I particularly think he should be giving credit for. That is not to say that he doesn't deserve a pay raise. He definitely does. He deserves more than double of what he's earning. And I believe he was offered more than double what he's earning. However, I think if we fail to replace, if we, if we fail to get a player that does better than Mount, that's on us. And that will have nothing to do with, with, with the Mount sale. I think the Mount situation really is just a matter of a player and a club not coming to terms, not coming to an agreement on a deal that works for both of them. And that happens every time. That happens all the time. Sterling was playing well at Liverpool. The contract talks came up. Whatever happened, Sterling left Liverpool. It happens. It's not something to hate Mount for. It's not something to hate the club for. I don't think the club is being unfair to Mount. I don't think Mount is being selfish. I think the club is looking out for themselves. Mount is looking out for himself. I think, most importantly, Mount hasn't had a good season. And saying you, you should pay him X amount or give him all this uh, all these uh, privileges, if you feel it should be offered higher than what he was offered, based on what? Based on something that is not recent? Because many people are talking about this season. I don't think Mount's form just dipped this season. I think Mount has not been in good form for a while. I think he has played a lot of games that has been for a specific reason. Many people say, why do... There's a, there's a common thing people say, why, why do managers continue to play him if he says nonsense? There are many reasons why managers continue to play players. Many reasons. Jorginho uh, you know, Wijnaldum is a perfect example for Liverpool. He was extremely key to that team. They didn't offer him 300k per week. No one referred to Wijnaldum as their best player. But club never named the lineup that didn't have Wijnaldum in it when he was fit. There are many things that players bring to, 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 to teams. Pep talks about Bernardo Silva with glowing praise. But Bernardo Silva doesn't start every game for Pep. He played a lot in the Champions League. There are many reasons why managers play players. Messi, Messi Mount, most especially. I think, for the most part, fans, some fans have not been fair with Mount or to him. I think when he doesn't play well, many people were not willing to recognize or admit that he didn't play well. And it affected the discourse. And it would affect the discourse because when the player doesn't play well and you, you come and give him glowing praise, it doesn't help. It will irritate people. Fans that didn't want to say anything will begin to talk. I remember after the, the, the Carabao Cup final, I think it was, he missed three clear-cut chances. We didn't win. I think he missed a penalty in the shootout. I wasn't uh, thinking that Mark had, had cost us the cup because things happen. Mark is not the best finisher in the game. He scored a lot of goals from long shots. I don't particularly expect him to slot things home from uh, in one v one situations. It happens. It's what it is. Players miss penalties, and then I I, I came to the timeline and saw people saying Mount deserved better. Based on what? Now 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 his teammates were being unfair to him by us losing losing the game. Those those are the things that happened with Mount that did not help Mount at all. Forget about what the fans said about him. We know that Mount is, is seeing these things. And we can say, oh, uh, certain fans were always on Mount's case. But that's particularly not an issue for me because many fans don't have any issue when, when fans are on other players' cases. Mount is a Chelsea player. When he's in bad form, when he's not playing well and he continues to get selected, people are going to get irate. People were irate that the players were getting selected, that they didn't think should get selected. So it's normal. Fans are going to show their irritation when they feel that the players shouldn't be in the lineup. That's normal. But again, many fans did not consider it normal. 
when uh, Alonso gets abused, nothing. William gets abused, nothing. Mount is criticized, they are up in arms. Many of these things affected the discourse. And if that's part of what is uh, inspiring Mount's decision, then that's fair. But I don't think Mount has been as... I don't think Mount has deserved a lot of the glowing praise he has got. I think it, it may sound harsh, but I think replacing Mount, just like I said, replacing Rudiger shouldn't be difficult. But then we went and got a 31-year-old Kulibali and put him on five years on 295k. At the end of the day, we, we, are, a, we, are, a, we are a big club that has access to a lot of players. We have access to a lot of money and access to a lot of players. If we can't come to an agreement with Mount, he will not be the first player we can't come to an agreement, an agreement with. Fans don't need to treat it as if it is a bigger issue than it is. He's a very good player. He's not somebody that Chelsea cannot do without. He's not somebody that has, that has made Chelsea into, into a mega team. He hasn't made us into title challengers, and I don't expect him to. He should be treated like a normal player because he is a normal player. He doesn't deserve to get paid wages that uh, people in the top bracket of his position should be getting. I don't think he deserves to. I think there are many things you can you can say that work well in his favor, but at the end of the day, the the the, the base the, the 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 base of it is contract negotiations came up when he was in very poor form, very poor form. So the club were not willing to bet on hope that he was going to return to 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 what he was. Again, you could also mention that he played under a lot of managers this season, just like it can be mentioned for other players, but. The other thing is, many other players are not getting the same slack. He was in bad form. Other players were in bad form. And those other players have been said to, to get out of the club. Koulibaly spent one year at Chelsea. He did not have a smooth ride. He's been sold now. And many people are saying good returns to bad rubbish. Whatever Mount did in the 2021 season, he should get credited for it. Whatever he did in the 2021-2022 season, he should get credited for it. He deserves a significant pay raise, and he was offered a significant pay raise. Again, I don't think Chelsea is being wicked in this, and I don't think Mount is being selfish. I think for two parties to come to an agreement, they both have to agree that this particular deal satisfies me and it satisfies the other party. If it doesn't, they go their separate ways. It doesn't have to be made a, a more major decision than it is. That's just what I think about Mount. I think he's a good player, but I don't think the skill set he offers a team is worth 80 million or 100 million. I think 60 million is fine for him, to be very honest. Yeah. I mean, I think if that's the fee we get, so be, you know, so be it. It could be worse, could be better, right? You know, it is what it is. I think you guys did a great job of covering more or less a, a wide spectrum uh, of analysis on Mounts. I'm going to kind of refrain from anything there. Um, yeah, I just, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, same with Havertz. Can't really wish a guy luck that's going to directly compete against my club anymore. Um, I don't wish any personal injury. I don't wish that he's poor, but I can't really wish him and his team success anymore. Um, but I hope that payday is great, man. I hope that hits real good in the bank account. Um, sorry to be a little aggressive for some listeners, but I, I it's just it just puts a really bad taste in my mouth, and I'll just leave it there. Um, yeah. Well, I think we've covered all of our outgoings today. We really our only incoming is Christopher and Kunku, who we already covered in our Keep Loan Sell episode. So I think we're going to try to wait to do incomings um, and then maybe additional outgoings if we have them in a next episode, probably sometime next month to, you know, as we really gear into preseason and have a much better idea of who's actually going to be in this squad and who's not after the, a little more of the dust has settled on the transfer window. That's just been a whirlwind today. Um yeah, thanks guys for coming on. I, this is actually a really good discussion today. I really enjoyed this one. Um, and you know, for all the listeners, as always, really appreciate all your dedicated support. Um, you know, some of you guys have been there since day one, and you know, we we love that. You know, we we don't always agree uh, some of our reviews on Twitter, but that's fine. I I, I think that's what makes this um, you know a unique podcast is we get a wide variety of opinions, and not everybody agrees with every list uh, every host, and I think that's what separates us from a lot of different people, and uh, we kind of embrace that. So, yeah, thanks a lot for all of your diversity and, uh, you know, sticking through some of the ones you like, some of the ones you don't. But, uh, yeah, uh, 
hopefully we have some more positive news uh, to bring is other than just a bunch of people leaving, but I think this is still more positive than it may seem, but um, thanks a lot, everybody. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.